The WLEW Sports Network presents The Strong Side with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, and Paul P. Adams. The Strong Side is presented by Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Randy's Hunting Center, 269 Guns, Thumb Bank and Trust, Thompson Chevrolet, Go Thompson, and Sure Health. Better health, better life. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network, powered by AgriValley Services. The playoff field has been cut in half, and even 11 Greater Thumb Conference and NCTL teams are still in business. Good evening and welcome to the WLW Sports Network's presentation of The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021. I'm Clark Ramsey, your host, and joining me tonight is a true professional. Even has license to prove it. Please welcome Dave Hansen. Thank you, Clark. Happy to be here, guys, in person, and uh, looking forward to covering a lot of great games that happened this weekend. Also in studio with us is the sports editor here in County View, Paul P. Adams. Yeah, it was a great weekend uh, for our, our teams on Friday and Saturday. A lot of our thumb teams are moving on and uh, uh, making their claim for a state championship pushes. With everyone in the playoffs to begin the postseason, there weren't too many surprising scores, but one that has the entire city of Bannack still celebrating once for the first time since 1978. Well, I can't say enough about the Hatchets. They absolutely battled through injuries and everything else, and that offense did just enough, but led by the defense, making a huge statement, winning their first playoff game since 1978. Uh, we happened to be there to cover that game, and uh, can't, can't say enough about how happy we are for Badax to win that game. Big win. As the only guy uh, alive the last time Bad Axe won a, a playoff game, that that was really something to be a part of. Uh, it, it definitely, Bad, Bad Axe has done all year, leaned on their defense. It was a lot of fun. It's all coming up on the strong side. side to right side you're listening to the strong side on sports radio 1021 clark ramsey dave hansen and paul p adams live on the strong side also now on youtube welcome to all of our listeners and viewers on youtube just go to youtube and search for wlew sports we'll pop up hit subscribe and turn on notifications so you don't miss a single moment of the strong side let's take a look through the scoreboard of the first week of the postseason everyone was in with the exception of eight-player football, let's start out there. In Division One, these are the larger schools of eight-player football. Morris took care of Kingston 32-0. They beat them two weeks ago, 57-0, this time around 32-0. Merrill takes out Deckerville in Merrill, 66-22, Vandals over the Eagles. And Mayville takes out Genesee, 48-20 on Thursday night, and Adrian Lenaway Christian, 56-0 over Flint International. Really, no surprises here. All the all the higher seeds or the lower seeds, whichever way you'd like to, to call them, won. Um, I stand by what I've been saying. The state champions coming out of this regional, uh, Morris and Adrian Lanaway Christian, I think are on a collision course. Uh, Mayville may have something to say about that, but I I think uh, Adrian Lanaway Christian is going to be way too much for for Mayville's defense, which has given up a lot of points and yards this season. Uh, Merrill Merrill Morris is a is a very intriguing matchup as well. Merrill's only loss is to Portland St. Patrick, which is the odds-on favorite to win uh, eight-player Division Two. So uh, this is just a stacked regional, and uh, everything went according to plan. 
can't say enough. You covered every one of them, but I, I keep looking at that Merrill score, seeing them 66 uh, on Deckerville. I know Deckerville's behind and down worse than they have been in years, but that's an impressive win. If that doesn't open some eyes, I, obviously Morris is going to be tested starting next week. And uh, this Division One for eight-player is definitely something you want to keep an eye on. And for us, with all them being a local team, keeping it, staying in it, we're going to keep a close eye on it for the next couple weeks. In Division Two of eight-player football, North Huron hosted Augury Sims on Saturday at 5 p.m. They won 66-18. to Peck takes out Ashley at 30-0. Here's the final score. However, this game played till halftime due to an injury that left Ashley with only seven players to play. Peck beats Ashley at halftime 30 nothing. Bay City All Saints, the Catholics of Bay City, take out CPS 52-14. The first playoff victory for All Saints since 2017. CPS, their first playoff appearance in eight years. And the Catholics of Mount Pleasant take out Akron Fairgrove 63-6. Akron Fairgrove's qu- quarterback Wyatt Brink ran for a 78-yard quarterback keeper to make it 7-6. Then Sacred Heart scored 56 straight points. I was at the North Huron Augre game uh, yesterday. Uh, Tyler Moore, Will Case combined for seven touchdowns, six rushing. Case threw for another one. Uh, everything was looking good for North Huron. This was a playoff record, 66 points. North Huron has never scored that many more than that in a playoff game. However, North Heron did suffer a major injury in the third quarter. Quarterback Will Case goes down with an ankle injury. It is not broken. His status for Saturday's game against Peck is up in the air, but probably very unlikely. And Will Case has accounted for a ton of North Heron's offense and is one of their best defensive players. So North Heron, who handled Peck the first time around, is going to have to figure out a way to overcome the loss of Will Case. Similar to the uh, Division One side of things, an eight-player, all the favored teams won again this weekend. So, uh, with a lot of a lot more teams making the playoffs, we're seeing uh, some of the fat get trimmed, so to speak. And uh, so, our teams that needed to handle their business did this week. But uh, I still think North Huron has enough in the tanks to get past Peck next week. And uh, I certainly think they're on a collision course with Mount Pleasant's Sacred Heart, which is a very beatable team if if Case is healthy for North Huron. Moving on to 11-player football in Division, let's start out in Division 7. Hemlock takes out Vassar 48-0 in Hemlock. Hemlock has allowed just 73 points in seven weeks. Vassar has scored 44 points all season long, shut out five times and the season. Bad Axe in Lakers, this was the game of the week. We'll talk about this in just a second, but Bad Axe wins over Lakers for the second time this season, 19-12 in that one. Sandusky takes care of St. Charles's 54-0 at halftime. That means a running clock despite injuries and timeouts. It was a 54-0 victory for Sandusky when all said and done. And Cassidy and Reese, 36-26. The Red Hawks take out the Rockets in what was kind of a wild game through and through from all 48 minutes of play. No question about it. That was the one that everybody was keeping their eye on because Reese has been a team that everyone wrote off before the season started. And suddenly they kind of discovered themselves and they discovered a passing game. Uh, they were put up over 300 yards passing in this game against Cass City. Clearly was not ready for or able to stop the passing game, but the Cass City team did what they need to do. They they withstood the fight and ended up finding a way to pull away at the end with a 10-point win. What stands out to me is Sandusky putting up 30 in the first quarter on St. Charles. I don't care if St. Charles is the sixth seed or what, uh, 30 points in the first quarter. That tells me Sandusky is absolutely ready to play and kind of ready to put – uh, the, the regular season behind them. Even though it was an undefeated regular season, Sandusky has given up points, maybe more points and yards than they should have. This was a good way to get into the playoffs, and they are not going to be an easy out against Cass City. 
Let's talk about the game of the week on the WLW Sports Network. The Bad Axe Hatchets hosting the Elkton Pigeon Bayport Lakers, a rematch of just two weeks before. And it started out at eight, four minutes into the ballgame, 8.09 remain in the first quarter. And Bad Axe's Jake McPhee on defense strips Logan Carlson Russell for a 53-yard fumble return for the score. The PAT from Gordon is good, and it makes it 7 nothing. Bad Axe leading. Second quarter, five minutes before the halftime, and Zach Kretschmer busts in from two yards out for the Lakers to put them on the board. However, the two-point conversion fails, which means it's Bad Axe leading by just one point, seven to six at halftime. Moving on to the third quarter, five minutes, five minutes, 21 seconds remain in the third, and Lakers on a fourth down, throws a Connor McCain a seven-yard pass to Ethan Wisner for the score. The two-point conversion fails. However, Lakers takes the lead 12 to seven over the Bad Axe Hatches, their first lead of the night. Moving on to the fourth quarter now. Four minutes and 50 seconds left, and Bad Axe's Griffin Meinhold throws a 16-yard pass to Micah Gordon into the end zone for the score. Two-point conversion, the run fails, but Lakers, uh, excuse me, Bad Axe leads 13-12 over the Elkton Pigeon Bayport Lakers. And just a minute 40 later, Bad Axe, after an interception, Corbin Legault runs in from three yards out, puts them up with an insurance run at 19-12. The PAT failed, and that would be your final score. Bad Axe wins over Lakers 19-12, their first playoff victory since 1978. An impressive one at that, but it led with them on defense. The Bad Axe Hatchets just barely eclipsed 100 yards of total offense, rushing and receiving combined. But the defense did the job. They won the game for them. Jake McPhee makes an outstanding play. I think it was the second, maybe third play of the game on offense for Lakers. And uh, they do that typical jet sweep where it goes around the left side and McPhee comes off the end and doesn't even barely touch the running back. Uh, we called it a crime up in the press box. He just took it away from him. It was absolutely just took it away from him, and it took us a second to realize that he was going the other way all by himself with the football. Nobody realized what happened. Uh, An absolutely outstanding way to start the game, and that set the tone for the game because the last touchdown, the insurance touchdown, came on an interception where it was thrown into double coverage. He was predetermined where he was going with the ball. He threw it right into the arms uh, of the linebacking, uh, one of the linebackers, a bad axe, and he took it almost all the way to the house. I think he got to about the five-yard line. Uh, and then, of course, that's when the, my other point to this game comes in. 14 penalties, accepted penalties, for 120 accepted yards. There was a lot more penalties where there were two and three penalties on a play that were not accepted that are not in that stat book, and that got uh, them halfway to the goal, and obviously Corbin Legault finishes off that drive. But the Bad X defense put them in a spot to win this game. They took care of the football, and Micah Gordon had a heck of a day punting the football and pinning that Lakers offense back. The Bad X defense played outstanding this week. The first time that these two teams met a couple of weeks ago, uh, Coach Steverberg openly said, we shot ourselves in the foot, and, and they did. Five turnovers in that game, which led to to a very convincing win for Bad X. And in the pregame show, I said, it's not going to happen again. There's no way that Lakers makes these same mistakes twice, and they did. Uh, a fumble lost, two interceptions, and then, as Dave said, 14 penalties for 120 yards. Two, count them, two touchdowns called back. One on a kickoff return that would have answered right away uh, that that strip uh, a touchdown uh, for Bad X. Uh, Kretschmer brought that back, hit the hit the line, uh, uh, the sideline, and he was gone, blocking the back. Kretschmer again, I believe that was in the second quarter 
or maybe even the third quarter, he had a touchdown called back on a beautiful sweep, hit the sideline again, gone, blocking the back, gets called back. Those are the things you you just cannot do in in a game that was going to be this close. And then, you know, they came unraveled with, with personal fouls as well, and it all just added up, and it became too much. Despite the talent that Lakers had, it just became too much for, for Lakers to overcome. But, uh, you know, kudos to Bad X. This defense is legit. Uh, they didn't. They made life really, really tough for the Lakers all night long. And as as you said, Dave, offense did just enough. Uh, Griffin Meinhold got to give him a lot of credit on that little pass. Uh, he called that in the timeout. He said, "Coach, I can hit that pass." And and uh, Coach Pokley said, "Go ahead, do it." And he did. And it it was one. It was maybe the key play of the game offensively for the Hatchets. Lakers ended up with uh, 117 passing yards, 69 rushing yards, one score for each, and three turnovers for the Lakers, zero for the Bad Axe Hatches. Like we said, the first playoff win for Bad Axe since 1978, the first time beating Lakers two times in a row since 2000 and 2001, and the first time beating Lakers in the playoffs. They were previously 0-3. And, and Dave, like you said, co-player of the game, Micah Gordon on special teams. We have a very special moment here. We have a special bell for the occasion. <laughs> Ring the bell and it's time for a break. It's when we return, we'll take a look at the other side of Division 7 right here on Sports Radio 1021. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side. side or right side you're listening to the strong side on sports radio 1021 and now also live on youtube just go to youtube.com search for w sports and you'll see our beautiful smiling faces right there <laughs> on the interwebs all right let's take a look at the other side division seven we had cassidy hosting the reese rockets reese perhaps one of the darkest horses and maybe the most wild card of the teams in the local district and they started out 7-23, Cassidy in the first quarter scores on a Jordan Mester four-yard run. The two-point conversion fails, but Cassidy leads 6 nothing. 56 seconds left in the first quarter. Bryce Fernald runs in from 15 yards out. Two-point conversion from Alex Perry. Makes it 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Cassidy rolling. Here come the Rockets, though. 10-57 left in the first half. Tanner Turbush, quarterback with a one-yard dive. The two-point conversion fails, so it's an eight-point ball game. 14-6, Cassidy leading. Moving on, 7.35 before the half. Alex Perry for Cassidy in for his first score of the night with a one-yard run. Mahalik with a catch from Fernald makes it a 22-6, 16-point lead for Cassidy. And going into the halftime, nope, not so fast. With no time remaining, Al- er, Turbush throws a 10-yard pass to Demarcus Palmruder. The two-point version is good, and it's a one-possession ball game at halftime. 22-14, Cassidy leading. Into the third quarter, just 19 seconds into the third quarter, and Reese strikes again. Turbush throws a 52-yard pass to Demarcus Palmruder again. Two-point conversion fails, and it's a two-point ball game, 22-20. Cassidy leading by just two points. They respond, though, four minutes later, 7.40 left in the third. Alex or Bryce Fernald with an 11-yard pass to Noah Zaleski. The two-point conversion is caught by Mahalik in their back out by 10 points, 30-22. They tack on another score with 2 minutes and 26 seconds remaining in the fourth. Alex Perry busts out for a 74-yard run. Two-point conversion fails. They lead by 16, 36-20. And then with a minute 25, Reese throws in one more touchdown. A 32-yard pass to Levi Foco from Turbush. 
Two-point conversion fails, and they could not do anything more beyond that. Cassidy shuts them down for a 10-point victory, 36-26 to over the Reese Rockets. Oh, that Cassidy defense did just enough in that game to keep them alive. They did force three turnovers, which probably saved them in this game. But uh, you can't say enough about the running game. You know that's what they're going to do. 58 carries for 355 yards and four scores. And, of course, led by who else? You don't really hear about them all year long. And then Alex Perry comes out in the playoffs and carries it for 200 yards and two of those scores on 26 carries. Uh, they are ready to go rolling on all cylinders. And, that defense isn't going to have to worry about a passing game next week against Sandusky. So we're on a collision course for uh, the Redskins against this Cass City team. Guess what? It's going to be 40 carries on each side of the ball. Just which one, which offensive line can move the other side. I disagree, Dave. If I'm Sandusky right now, I'm working on my passing game because I know that Cass City is susceptible to the pass. Now, obviously, you don't want to get away from your bread and butter. You're, you're I think... It's no secret. Sandusky has the best three backs of anybody in the area. But you also have to look at the the amount of yards that Cassidy gave up through the air. And if you go back to the other game where Cassidy was really pushed, it was by USA through the passing game. Uh, you know, going away from the wing tee and going to the air. Cassidy's susceptible to the pass. Run some wheel routes. Do some different things. Don't be don't be predictable. And maybe you can you can catch uh, Reese or uh, sorry, Cassidy sleeping here a little bit if you're Sandusky. And Sandusky's not. I watch Harvard Beats throw all up and down. Sandusky. Well, maybe maybe that maybe both of these teams will so, just scrap their offensive plans and go so, to the air. Maybe so this could be something my, really fun. My point there is Sandusky's on their backup quarterback. And uh, we've seen Cass City throw the football a little bit. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there was a touchdown pass in this game So from Cass City. So if there's any team that can throw the ball a little bit, I think it's Cass City. And uh, if you're Coach Cathrall, I think there's a higher chance that that's in his playbook, and that's in his mind already for Sandusky. But you're absolutely right. If Sandusky is able to do it with guys that can make plays in the passing game, it's definitely something that he's going to have to dial up at some point just to keep the Cassidy defense from cheating in. And one last point, I think the Cassidy team has something to say about having three really good running backs too. I'll take that Sandusky core over over Cass City's, uh, just player for player. I think Sandusky has the better running back stable. Sandusky has two of them. I don't know about all three. Uh, their, their lead, two probably are the best. So here's the deal, though. So you're talking about this passing game. You know how many passes Sandusky has ran, thrown all season long? Attempts, four. In seven weeks, four. Cassidy's I, thrown 16. Keep in mind, they're on a backup quarterback. You're exactly. not, not going to see it. I, I just don't that, know if they, means, they were able that, to. That means they're primed and ready to, <laughs> to, to spring a trap on Cassidy. <laughs> Okay, Paul. All right. <laughs> when we're taking a look at this, Cass City ends up with 355 rushing yards, 26 through the air on 205 passing. The Reese Rockets with 20 receptions for 377 yards through the air and three touchdowns, 20 of 34 through the air for Turbush. Leading the way for Cass City was Alex Perry, 26 carries, 202 yards and two scores. Nozaleski, 13 carries, 92 yards. Jordan Mester, 9 carries, 31 yards and one touchdown. And then we had Jordan Mester, Bryce Fernald, 10 carries, 30 yards and a score. Through the air, 2 for 5 for Fernald, 26 yards and a score from Noah Zaleski brought in that pass. All right, let's take a look at the opponent that they are going to be playing, Cassidy. They'll be the Sandusky Redskins, as we've talked about already. When we take a look at that, Sandusky was won 54-0 over St. Charles this Friday, and it was 54-0 at halftime. Zach Franzel with a 13-yard run to start the game a minute and a half into it. Wedge with the two-point conversion, 8-0 Sandusky. 
DeLorean Wedge, a two-yard run after a Martin Tovar 50-yard-plus run. Sets that score up, makes it 14-0. Sandusky, four minutes left in the first quarter. Zach Franz with a 14-yard run, then DeLorean Wedge with another touchdown run all in the first quarter, and suddenly it's 30-0 Sandusky. Eight minutes before the half is over, DeLorean Wedge with his second score of the night, excuse me, third score of the night. Two-point conversion from Tovar is good. It missed 38-0. Five and a half before half, Brady Franz with a nine-yard run. Carlson with a catch from Lucas Feehan. Makes it 46-0, and then 46 seconds before the half is over, DeLoren Wedge with a 17-yard run for the score. The two-point conversion from Franzel is good, and it's 54-0 Sandusky. Running clock situation from there out, and that'll be your final score. 54-0 Sandusky over St. Charles. St. Charles held to 48 yards in the negative on rushing the ball that night. I tell you what, this uh, this Sandusky team is rolling. And to your point, Paul, I do like to see Lucas Feehan attempt a couple passes in this game because even if it fails, you gotta get you gotta show him the confidence that you have the ability to call that play because at some point you are going to ask him to do that in a situation where it matters. So I'd like to look at that. And to your other point, Martin Tovar is a huge X factor for this team. If he runs well. It's troublesome for whatever team they play against because we already know DeLorean Wedge is getting his 30% of the carries, and we know Zach Franzel can run it with the best of them. Probably the best two, top two backs on any team in the area. And if Martin Tovar can be that third guy, if he can do what he did, he doesn't necessarily need 138 yards on seven carries, but if his eight to ten carries that he gets in a game are meaningful, it is going to be a nightmare for the opposing defense. And according to this week, it'll be the Red Hawks. Uh, you were going to talk about Ubley and USA in a little while, but this game has a lot of similarities to Ubley and USA, uh, Sandusky and Reese, or Sandusky and Cassidy, excuse me. Uh, they're they're really mirror images of each other. Great backfields, pretty good defenses. You, you know what you're going to get from them. They, they want to run the ball. They're not going to hide what they want to do. So it's just a matter of who can do it better and maybe who's got a wrinkle here or there. Uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up game, even though it's at Cass City. Uh, it's just such an int- intriguing game, but you have three guys over 100 yards and six touchdowns between them. That is just that's ridiculous numbers, and they only rushed the ball 35 times for 401 yards. That is uh, that is making the most of your carries. I also think that's a sign that St. Charles isn't very good. Well, St. So. Charles isn't very good, but still, you know, it doesn't matter if St. Charles is very good or not. What I look at is Sandusky did not overlook St. Charles. They laid the wood early and often and and really went to town on on uh, on <laughs> on St. Charles and uh took care of business. St. Charles, like I said, with 28 yards through the air, negative 48 on the ground for the night, which means they had just negative 20 yards altogether. Martin Tovar led the way with seven carries and 138 yards. DeLorean Wedge, seven carries, 121 yards and four scores. And seven years ago, Zach Franzel, eight carries and 102 yards and two touchdowns. Brady Franzel, three carries, 18 yards and a score. And Matt Carlson, four carries for nine yards. Lucas Feehan, one of three through the air for seven yards. Matt Carlson bringing in that one reception. Sandusky goes on to play at Kansas City this Friday. Kickoff at 7 p.m. in that will be the game of the week on Sports Radio 1021. Kickoff at 7. Pre-game coverage starts at 6 p.m. on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. Absolutely looking forward to it. Uh, there's going to be two really quality games, and, and like we said on Friday, we can only do one. We can't do both. They're at the same time. So for us, we'll be in Cass City and really looking forward to, like you said, two very uh, high-class running games with three backs that can hit you at any time, two teams that don't throw the football very often, and two teams that 
that have excellent run defenses. Pass defenses, not so much. So we will see which <laughs> offensive coordinator has the ability to take advantage of that if they need to, because it might that might be what it takes to get the advantage or the leverage on the opposing team. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll talk about Division 8 right here on Sports Radio 1021. Side or right side, you're listening to the strong side on Sports Radio 1021, live and worldwide at WLWSports.com, and also now on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search for WLWSports.com, hit subscribe, and you'll catch every single minute of the strong side on YouTube. Let's talk about Division 8 now. The Ugly Bearcats hosted the Brown City Green Devils, and they took care of business. At the end of the first quarter, it was 22 nothing. And it started out very early. Just the third play of the game, Ubley scores with a Cal Nabrisky 63-yard run. The two-point conversion failed. 6-0 Ubley. Two minutes later, Logan Mueller with a 74-yard run. Two-point conversion from Haleski makes it 14-0. Then a minute 38 left in the first quarter. Cal Nabrisky with a six-yard run. Ubley leading by 22-0 after a Cal Sweeney catch for the two-point conversion. On to the second quarter. Carson Haleski with a three-yard run, 9.42 before the half. That drive began at the Brown City 40-yard line, 30-0 Ubley after Oberski two-point conversion. And then they began the next drive at a Brown City's 27-yard line. Colin Oberski with a three-yard run a minute later. PAT failed, 36-0 Ubley at the halftime. Third quarter, absolutely no scoring. Fourth quarter, 10 minutes remain, and Mark Helig with a two-yard run makes it 42-0. And then with just one minute remaining, one minute remaining in the game, and... Clint Ford throws a 23-yard pass to Josh Pascoe to put Brown City on the board. 42-6, Ubley wins that ball game and moves on to play the USA Patriots at home. And this Ubley Bearcats is playing, this team is playing their best football to date, and I don't know why anybody would be surprised that it's just what Ubley does. And uh, a freshman quarterback absolutely settling in, uh, and some stats here that I love to see. Uh, normally you don't... You're not impressed when when Carson Haleski only has five carries for 30 yards, but let's be real, they didn't need him. And the guy that they've been missing this year is Colin Oberski. It was great to see him explode for 10 carries, 112 yards, and three touchdowns to lead this backfield. And then uh, the other thing I'd love to see is uh, Peruski, three for four passing, 61 yards through the air. Didn't, didn't throw a touchdown, but those are a couple things that's going to make Ubley dangerous and have a really good shot against USA next week. I agree totally, Dave. I, I had a chance to talk to Coach Sweeney today, and he really feels like this team is hitting its stride at the right time. If you look at uh, the way they hit the end of the regular season against Bad X, they really, really took care of Bad X. And then uh, two weeks ago, faced Brown City, gave up 200 rushing yards in that game, gave up 12 points. Coach Sweeney and his staff were not happy with that game at all and really challenged their team to, to step it up said they were better defensively, had to be better defensively, and they were. They really controlled Brown City right from the start, uh, got out to that 36 nothing lead, had the running clock, and then Colin Oberski finally gets going back in that backfield to give them a true three-headed monster in that backfield. Uh, Logan Mueller has been on fire the last couple of weeks. He's been over 100 yards each week, had a touchdown, 137 yards in this game, and as you mentioned, don't be worried about five carries from Carson Haleski in 30 yards. Uh, when you don't need your horse, 
don't don't uh, give him any more carries than he needs. His time is going to come, and it's going to come against USA. He's going to have to 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 be the workhorse as we've expected. But I love what they did, and and Peruski. Evan Peruski just keeps getting better. Just every game, just, they just keep adding a little bit more for him. He's going to be a really special player. Just a freshman, so you got to be patient with him. He's still going to make freshman mistakes, but uh, I really like where this LB team is going. He's settled in nicely. He's he's really taken over that uh, that keeper that Casey Sweeney made so so popular the last couple of years of his career. That keeper on the outside, he's done that very well. Now to see him throw a couple passes as a freshman, I think that adds another dynamic to the team. And Logan Mueller brings. That third option that that the defensive coordinators over in USA are looking at right now going, we actually have to keep an eye on this guy. So knowing that those three guys can run the football, and you're absolutely right, you got to protect Carson Oleski because on the defensive side, him and Nolan Van Earp are absolutely the two guys that make that defense wreak havoc on other offenses. USA, they will play next week in Ubley on Friday at 7 p.m. <clears throat> Ubley ended up with 286 yards of rushing on 28 carries, averaging over 10 yards per carry and six scores, three receptions for 61 yards, and three of four passing from the freshman Evan Peruski for 61 yards. They go on to play USA. Speaking of USA, let's take a look at those Patriots. They took out Marlette on Friday, 57-14 in quite commanding fashion. It was 16-0 at the end of the first quarter. After Connor Gettle three-yard run and no crumb nine-yard run, two-point conversions both good from Connor Gettle makes it 16-0. It would be 38-8 and this at the halftime mark. After Noah Crum scores a second touchdown, Connor Gettle throws a 12-yard pass to Jeremiah Hahn. And then Marlette scores to get on the board for the first time to make it 32-8. And then a minute 10 before the half is over, Walker Foley returns a kick for 77 yards. I do believe this was the returning uh, after Marlette scored right away. 77 yards in for the kick for the score. Two-point conversion failed, but USA would be leading by 30 at halftime, 38-8. Third quarter, Noah Crum with his third score of the night, a three-yard run. The PAT from Parmenter is good, 45-8 to USA leading. Down to the fourth quarter, Marlette scores for the second time and final time of the night with an 11-yard pass, makes it 45-14. Then Carson Holland and Braylon Ballard, a 30- and 55-yard run, uh, respectively, makes it 57-14. USA wins at home against Marlette, and now they will travel to Ubley this coming Friday. This is one of those games where time of possession is really irrelevant. Uh, USA only run... Uh, about 29 plays of offense. Uh, they had six touchdowns on the ground, 309 yards on 26 attempts. On the other side of the ball, Marlette uh, had 20 carries, just 59 yards, but 216 yards through the air. So another one of these power wing T teams that cannot defend the pass. And that, again, I point that out because we just saw Evan Peruski go three for four for 61 yards, and that is all you want out of your quarterback that runs the wing tee because now USA has to think about it. 35 attempts, 25 completions for Marlette. They had the ball all night long but could not finish any drives, could not put any points up, and when USA got the ball, they scored. In, in a hurry and in big plays. So for USA, those big plays are not going to come that easy. So they're going to have to make sure that they can sustain drives, keep the chains moving, and because uh, their defense is going to have their hands full with a with an ugly running game. What stands out to me from the USA offense, not one running back over nine carries. So distributing the ball very well. Uh, Ballard definitely made most of his eight carries with 146 yards, but after that it was very, very balanced. Uh, Noah Crum, that's a 
big performance for him. Uh, nine carries, 49 yards, and those three touchdowns. You just as we talked about with Ubley, you need that third back in that wing T system, and Noah Crum can be that third option for them to go along with Foley and Ballard, and then you have Gettle at, at quarterback. Uh, a lot of similarities between this Ubley and USA team, uh, and, and very similar. I think USA, as we mentioned with Ubley, USA is playing its best ball at the right time. So you have two teams, Ubley and USA, on a collision course, playing the best ball of the season so far. Uh, I don't think you're going to have to worry about a lot of throwing. Um, As you said, Dave, Peruski did complete three passes. Here's the key, though. We know USA can throw with Gettle if they have to. The conditions are going to be very nice on Friday night. It's going to be very a lot warmer than it was this past week. Warmer uh, than today. A little bit more conducive to uh, maybe airing it out a little bit more. So uh, when you have two teams like Ubley and USA who have met, I believe, seven times, this will be the seventh meeting since 2016. These teams know each other. You're going to have to find a few wrinkles to beat each other. Moving on, we had Marlette with that 25 of 35 in passing from Tenbush for 216 yards altogether and one score. He did throw one interception. Connor Gettle threw the air like Paul was talking. Just two of three in that night for 36 yards and a score. Jeremiah Hahn brought in both receptions from Gettle for 36 yards and a score. Rushing the ball, Braylon Ballard led the way with eight carries, 146 yards and a score. Average 18 yards per carry. Walker Foley, five carries, 64 yards. Noah Crum, nine carries, 49 yards and three scores. Carson Hallam, just one carry, but may count for 30 yards and a score, and Connor Gettle, two carries for 21 yards and a score. They will play at Ubley this Friday at 7 p.m. And the other team in Division 8 that would be on the other side of the bracket would be the Harbor Beach Pirates. They played on Saturday against Saginaw MLS, the Cardinals, a team they played just last year in the playoffs in the first round. They won last year 22-0, and it was 22-0 early in the second quarter already. Harbor Beach scores twice in the first quarter. Tanton Babcock with a 37-yard run makes it 6-0. Then quarterback keeper Dylan Kadar with a 10-yard dash. Two-point conversion on the catch to Woodkey makes it 14-0. Levi Klasky gets in the scoring 10-22 before the half. Babcock with a two-point conversion 22-0. Then 17 seconds before the half is over. MLS with their lone score of the day. Eli Slanger with a one-yard run. Two-point conversion fails. Harbor Beach leads at halftime 22-6 in just one score in the entire second half. Now the Tanton Babcock 33-yard run just two minutes into the third quarter. Makes it 28-6. Harbor Beach wins against MLS. And now Harbor Beach will travel to Flint Beecher, a team they played two years ago in the regional final. They found the running game. We've been waiting all year for Harbor Beach to find that running game, find some offense, and on the other side, the defense. The defense finally stepped up. They only allowed 115 yards on the ground. It's still maybe a little steep from what you would like to see going heading into the second round of the playoffs, but this is a huge improvement and a drastic step in the right direction. You don't completely need Dylan Kadar to run for his life and make throws uh, that no one else in the area can make to help his team win, which is the games we saw earlier in the year. That's what was happening. It was Dylan Kadar uh, doing Eli Kraft things circa 10 years ago. I mean, it was just, uh, he was fun to watch, but there was no help. Uh, Woodkey has been very steady. He's probably been the one steady player on this team. But the, it's nice to see some of these younger guys like Tanton Babcock. You're going to hear his name for uh, many years to come. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. So it was nice to see somebody like him step up and take the running game by the lead. And, uh, you know, then you got uh, some other guys in there that like uh, like Klasky, I think, is another guy that 
is starting to kind of find a little role in this offense. So, But number one, it was great to see this defense. I, I wasn't there, so I didn't exactly see every single play. But for MLS, um, this is exactly what Heart Beach needed, was an MLS game and, and shut them down to have some confidence going into next week. And this game could have been a lot worse. The outcome could have been a lot worse. I talked to Coach Shelke today, and we chatted about this game and, and his upcoming game. And they had red zone opportunities that they didn't cash in. And that has been a, kind of an ongoing story for the Pirates this year. You go back just a, a, a couple of weeks ago to USA game when they marched down to the, to the five-yard line and didn't cash that in. If they score there against USA, who knows how that game turns out? It could have been completely different. And that's been, like I said, been the story for, for Harbor Beach. So even though Coach Shelke's happy with the win, he'll take the win, he knows that you cannot leave those opportunities on the field, especially as you advance into the playoffs. They're going into Flint Beach or a place they've never played before. It's the number one seed. They're they're a good team. If you get that ball in the red zone, if you get that ball within the 10-yard line, you absolutely have to score. You have got to put as many points as you can. You cannot leave points out there. Uh, good win, could have been could have been better, and uh, I, I think that's what Harbor Beach is going to be working on this week. Finish off your drives. This is a one seed though. That's a little vulnerable. We were talking about this off the air. We talked about this uh, over the weekend. This Flint Beecher team really hasn't played anybody, and that doesn't mean that they're not good. They might be extremely solid, and we've seen the highs and lows that Harbor Beach has had this year. We know what they're good at, and we know what they've struggled with. And uh, if they can sure up some of those things, they only had three penalties. Those are another good sign that things are getting a little more shirt up. But that defense, starting with the front four, need to play well. If they play well, finish off some drives that get in the red zone, this team has a very real chance of upsetting the number one team next Harbor week. Beach traditionally does well against those kind of finesse teams and in MLS, a little bit of a finesse team, Beecher, same kind of thing. Uh, with, the, with the way that Harbor Beach runs its team, runs a lot of spread, uh, the kind of the theme for this strong side has been nobody can defend the pass. Well, I think Harbor Beach can defend the pass because they see the, maybe the best quarterback in the area on a daily basis with Dylan Kadar. So I think Harbor Beach is primed, is the perfect team to go on the road to face Flint Beecher. Dan Bobcock led the way for the Harbor Beach Pirates with 12 carries, 102 yards, and two scores. Dylan Kadar, nine carries, 73 yards, and a score. And the sophomore, Levi Klasky, seven carries, 47 yards, and a score. Luke Woodkey, nine carries, 40 yards. And Ethan Hessling, just two carries and 11 yards on the day, on the afternoon, as that game was taking place at the same time as that other college game that took place. It was a beautiful outcome. Let's talk Harbor Beach. Uh, this now going to travel to Beecher. That game will be on Saturday, and it'll be 1 p.m.? It'd be 1 p.m. game. Okay, yep. all right. So Harbor Beach on the road. And for the first time, uh, they're going for their first win on the road. I'm the playoffs since 2006. 2006 when they went on the road and defeated Reese. And I think that was a special year for you guys, wasn't it? Uh, Dave, were you at that game? I was at that game. I was at that game, all yes. All right. Yes. We were, we were seniors in high school. All right, it's time for a short break. When we return, we'll take a look at the upcoming week of the playoffs right here on The Strong Side. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side. We finally got our music coming out of commercials. It's amazing what a mute button will do. 
Just ask the third election, uh, third debate of the president. All right, let's take, take a look at the next uh, eight-player uh, scoreboard for the next week, as well as 11-player football. We'll start out. Merrill travels to Morris, the four-seed against the one-seed. Mayville, the three-seed, travels to Adrian Lenaway Christian. Adrian Lenaway Christian, first-year in eight-player football. They lost to Reading in the Division Eight Regionals last year. Perhaps the best team in eight-player football. New Buffalo and Martin, we really don't care about that side of the bracket. That's just for our sake. Moving on to Division 2, Peck again at North Huron. This game is Saturday. Peck at North Huron. The two played last week, uh, two play uh, two weeks ago. The Warriors beat Peck 36-6 to in that one. Yeah, that, that's a 1 o'clock game uh, on Saturday. And what you should note about that that game the first time around, 12-6 to at halftime. North Huron put a lot on them in the second half, but for a half of football, Peck and North Huron was neck and neck, and uh, uh, Peck was knocking on the door to end the first half, and North Huron's defense held them out. So that And North Huron came out with the ball and scored in the second half. So that was a big swing of momentum there for, for North Huron. So Peck is very well capable of playing with North Huron, winning this game. As we mentioned at the start of the show, Will Case... His status is unknown. If he doesn't play, that's going to present some problems for North Huron. Well, with him out, that makes uh, that game a lot more intriguing than it used to, and and that kind of is the point of this whole weekend. This first weekend, we definitely caught the most competitive game out there. A lot of blow victories. A lot of those teams that may not have normally made the playoffs are now eliminated. So starting this weekend, tune in, because there are some awesome football games at all levels to watch. Very competitive, going to be close-scoring games. And the winner of that one will go on to play against the Bay City All Saints or Mount Pleasant Sacred Hearts seven days after All Souls Day. The Catholics of Mount Pleasant and Bay City facing off for the second time this season. They played just last week in the regular season. Sacred Heart won that one by eight points, 14 to six in the land of the Polish Bay City. On to eight, uh, Division 8 of 11-player football. Harbor Beach travels to Flint Beecher on Saturday at 1 p.m. Harbor Beach 4-3, and three, Flint Beecher 6-1. and one. The only really familiar opponent that you could kind of link, link all these teams together, Flint Beecher beat Flint Hamity. Flint Hamity lost to Ubley, and Harbor Beach technically beat uh, Ubley in the first week of the season, which feels like eternity ago now. USA at Ubley on Friday at 7 p.m. That one should be a dandy. Yeah, I'm going with the I'm going with the first game. Give me Harbor Beach, even though they're on the road, uh, has had the season that they want. I'm flat out picking Harbor Beach to win this game. Looking at that strength of schedule, like Dave said, Beecher really hasn't played anybody, and I, I do think that that Hamity game matters. Ubley absolutely handled Hamity in that that game uh, earlier this season. I think Harbor Beach has just enough to get by. I can tell you this. Ubley and USA are huge Harbor Beach fans right now because if Harbor <laughs> Beach wins that game, then it, the winner of Ubley USA will host that regional. If Flint Beecher wins, uh, Flint Beecher will host that that district championship. Regardless of that, I, I personally don't think this matters, but I think the winner of the USA Ubley game is going to take care of business no matter what. And I, I don't like to put the carriage in front of the horse, but uh, these USA and the Ubley team, regardless of who wins, they have both played their best football. Harbor Beach. Obviously, a sign of life here, a chance now, a very decent chance to upset Flint Beecher in Flint. But USA and Ubley are just rolling, and that's the game that I, I have my eyes on because I have no idea who's going to win that game, and that's what makes it great. Well, that, that's a great point, Dave. Uh, if Ubley wins this game, and this is why I said they want another shot at Harbor Beach because I felt in week one, which is an eternity ago, that Ubley outplayed Harbor Beach in that game. 
but made a few mistakes, uh, you know, ha- having not had enough practice in scrimmages. But I felt if you just look at the sheer numbers, outplayed Harbor Beach. They want another crack at, at the Pirates. And wow, how sweet would that be if Ubley were to end Harbor Beach's season two years in a row? A couple unconventional turnovers, not your standard turnovers, bat- mishandled snaps, things like that, that just you don't see uh, – the fundamentals are always sound with ugly. Just don't see those mistakes, and you haven't seen them since. And that's a great point. They will, they will obviously be looking to make a statement against Harbor Beach if they get that chance. And before he puts seven carriages before the horse, ugly and USA need to square off. I think USA will have something to say about that as well as the Beecher Bucks with the Harbor Beach Pirates. Well, I'm not giving my pick away. I'm just saying if ugly were to win. Okay. Uh, yes. All right. Moving along on to Division Seven <laughs> of football, we have the Bad Axe Hatchets. On the road against Hemlock, the Huskies in Hemlock. This is Saturday at 1 p.m. They've met twice in history, but back in the 60s, Hemlock won both of those. Bad Axe at 5-2, Hemlock at 7-0. Bad Axe will have their hands full in this one. Bad Axe definitely has their hands full, but here's the one thing. Talking with Cal Pokley today, Coach Cal Pokley, uh, Bad Axe has not played its best game yet. They're 5-2, they found a way to win. But we have not seen the best out of Bad X, so what a better time to bring your best to the table than going on the road when you're you're probably a heavy underdog. Play your best game, lean on that defense, and see if that offense can get things going, and maybe they can put it all together and pull off an upset of Hemlock. They have a couple things going for them. They've already won their Super Bowl. They, they, they beat Lakers twice uh, at home and on the road. They eliminated their rival from the playoffs. Uh, they have a winning record for the first time when a new coach takes over in his first season. So they have already absolutely at 5-2 and two done everything you could possibly ask for this Bad X team to happen. And now they have nothing to lose, and that makes you dangerous. However, their chances are extremely low, even in my eyes, because they have too many injuries. I don't know if Jake McPhee is going to play. I highly doubt it, that injury. Uh, it wasn't vicious by any means, no, but his was, reaction was afterward scary. was scary. Exactly right. And to me, Vinny Blackstock, just the the, the thought of him not being there to jumpstart that offense, uh, that offense that only had 100 yards, I think could double that total with him. I think that's how important he is to that offense. With him not there, I just think it hurts too much. You're exactly right, Dave. Injuries, they can only take so many, but that injury to Jake McPhee, if he's not able to go, I mean, he is a catalyst. As a sophomore, he is an absolute catalyst on that defensive side of the ball. He is one of those leaders, and they just cannot afford to uh, to, to have him missing on one of those ends and then just have his brother Toby uh, manning it all by himself on the other end. Two edge rushers. You can't attack the edge with these guys, and, and they, they sometimes take double teams on passing downs. And, of course, the last game of our local area here, we have the Kansas City Redhawks hosting the Sandusky Redskins, both teams undefeated. The Greater Them East champions going up against the Greater Them West champions of the Kansas City Redhawks. That game's kickoff at Friday at 7 p.m., coverage at 6 p.m. This is the third straight year these two teams have met in the playoffs. Kansas City has won the both previously. The last time Sandusky beat Kansas City in the playoffs, 2015, a 7-0 game that came down to a score in the last minute of play. Absolutely, and, and that could be the way this game goes this time around. Two 7-0 and teams, you wouldn't have drawn it up any other way. Uh, the two and the three seed face off here for a, a real chance of, of, of moving on, which we assume to play Hemlock, which will be a tall task. But these two teams are, are playing really good football, and on the ground, they're as good as any teams in the area. And on the other side of the ball, their run defenses are both very, very good. So it'll be very interesting to see which one of them can get that explosive play, the, the the busted play where you break a tackle and take it 60 yards to the house that kind of blows the game open and forces the other team to do something they are not comfortable doing. That 
play whenever that happens will be the determining factor of how the day goes. This is so fitting because I don't know if we truly know which side of the Greater Thumb Conference was better this year. You, you know, a lot of years it's it's been pretty lopsided. I think it was pretty even. Now we have the two best teams on each side going at it. Uh, a lot of lot of lot of things on the line here. Uh, very very similar looking teams. Uh, I'm, I'm envious of you guys being able to cover this. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. But I got a good game myself. I, I'm going to Ubley in USA. So I think we got two great games to, to look forward to on Friday night. We've got a lot of action upcoming in the, just the next seven days, and it's the second week of the playoffs. On behalf of Paul P. Adams, Dave Hansen, I'm Clark Ramsey. Thank you for listening and watching on the Strong Side. Being brought to you by Thompson Chevrolet, Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine. Thumb Bank and Trust, Randy's Hunting Center, 269 Guns, and Sure Health. Are you sure? We will be on air Friday at 6 p.m. for Sandusky at Cass City on Sports Radio 1021, live and worldwide at WLEWsports.com. Left side, right side, you're listening to The Strong Side. This has been a presentation of the WLEW Sports Network. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search for WLEW Sports. Your home for high school football is the WLEW Sports Network.